I want to read this morning from 1 Samuel chapter 21. 1 Samuel and the chapter 21. We'll take a moment, we'll read the 15 verses of this chapter. 1 Samuel 21 verse 1. Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David, and said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee, and what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore what is under thine hand, give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what there is present. The priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread. If the young men have kept themselves at least from women, and David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth women have been kept from us about these day, these three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy and the bread is in a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the shoe bread that was taken from before the Lord, to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said unto Ahimelech, And is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. The priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it, for there is no other save that there. And David said, There is none like that, give it me. David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. The servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in, the hands, in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, ye see, this man is mad. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need of, a mad ma- have I need of madmen? that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence. Shall this fellow come into my house? Amen. We know the Lord will bless his word, and we know your presence is with us. We have here the great story of a man, David. David was a great man of God. I believe as a young man, David would have written the 23rd Psalm, sitting up there in the mountainside. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then he was able to finish the psalm and he would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A good, saved young man, blessed greatly of God. And we have Samuel coming to the house 
And David was God's chosen servant, chosen king, called of God, anointed by David, anointed by God as well. And there he was out on the hillsides and God was training him for great things. He slew the lion and he slew the bear. He went before Saul the day that Goliath came out and he says, what qualifications have you? What exams have you got in warfare? He said, well, I slew a lion, I slew a bear. He said, I'll kill Goliath. And so he did. But we come to this point here in chapter 21 of Samuel and, and we could term it the bad behavior of one of God's children. You see, perfection it's not found in this life. And we have here one of the best of God's children who backslides and behaves very badly. Sometimes when a child of God does backslide, their behavior is even worse than the ungodly. We have seen instances of that down the years. His fellowship is clouded. His walk with God seems to have been broken and he's got himself into the flesh. His mind is not any longer guided by the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying we don't make mistakes, we all make mistakes. But this is a rather large mistake he has made. He has got himself away from the guidance. He's lacking spiritual wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth liberally to all men. And I like the little bit, abradeth not. He doesn't laugh at us when we say we're stupid. David here is lacking wisdom. He gets into this bad behavior and it's bad behavior amongst God's people and then it's bad behavior amongst the heathen people and his behavior affects other people your behavior and my behavior affects other people when you're out and about today, tomorrow, whatever it is our behavior, it affects people if you like athletics, others watch you, you, you can lead your family, you can lead friends into certain things. David's behavior here is not good. He has run away. He's now a fugitive. It says in chapter 21, verse 1, Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. He comes to the priest here. He comes to Ahimelech. He comes to the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord had moved from Shiloh in Eli's time, and it had moved across to this place Nob. And Ahimelech's the priest there, and David, he's on the run. He's a fugitive. The king and him have had a quarrel, and David's begun his days as a fugitive. Now you say, ah, but look, Reverend, look what he's done. He's come immediately to the house of God. That's good. Now that, that looks appearance. That is wonderful. It's a great place to start when you've got problems and troubles. I remember two men in Belfast and uh, they had a business problem. And one of them says, we'll go down to the prayer meeting tonight and we'll be able to sort the problem out. And they did. They went to the prayer meeting and they come home and the problem was sorted out because they asked the Lord for wisdom and they received the wisdom they needed. Here's a good place to go in time of fear, in time of trouble, to go to God's house, to get amongst God's people. And David arrives here with a Ahimelech and 
He talks with Ahimelech. But there's no mention of prayer. There's no mention of reading of God's word. He doesn't come into Ahimelech and say, Look, Ahimelech, I need you to pray for me. I need your help. I need your guidance. I need you to get the Urim and the Thummim, the temple guidance. I don't know what way to turn. Can you help me? But he doesn't. It says in verse 1 that Ahimelech was afraid. Ahimelech was afraid. You see, he was afraid because David's on his own. The servants he had left them at a distance up the roadway to keep them away. All Israel would know that David and Saul were having an argument. Practically at the minute the whole world knows that Harry and William in England were having an argument between England and Canada and all the rest of it. But here's Israel. And they know that David and Saul are having a dispute. And this Ahimelech would have known this. And he sees David and he knows he's in great danger. See, what we're saying here is, here's a man, David, a godly man, a great man. And his walk with God has got clouded. And he's putting others in danger. He arrives at the church, at the house of God, and he doesn't ask for prayer, he doesn't ask for guidance. He, he asks for food and he asks for a sword. My, for a Himalek to help him would be like helping the Jews in World War II. He's putting himself into great danger. But there's a sad thing here because when David arrives, he's not asking for prayer or anything like that. He's asking for food. He's asking for a sword. And he lies. He tells a lie. What are you here for, David? He says, I'm on the king's business. You see, he had earlier lied to Jonathan because there was a feast and David wasn't going to be there and he said Jonathan if your father asks where I am tell him I've gone to have a sacrifice at Bethlehem it wasn't true there may have been a sacrifice at Bethlehem but he, has, he wasn't there he was just down the road hiding David earlier had lied to Jonathan he lies again it's amazing how one lie leads to another lie. And we go down to the junction and we take the wrong road unless we get stopped soon. Unless we get to the place of repentance and get the journey stopped and start again. Verse 2, he says, I am on a secret mission. The king hath commanded me a business and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee. When I have commanded thee, I have appointed my servants. He left his servants up the road. He says, I am on a very special king's... He wasn't. He's in God's house and he's told a lie. He told a lie before he came to God's house. He told it to Jonathan. And he's in God's house. He, he's talking to one of the priests and he tells a lie. He says, I'm in the king's business, but he's not. And one lie leads to another. He says, it's a secret mission, but it wasn't. Now, he was right in saying, I've left my servants up the road. But his journey was not sent by the king. He's on the run from the king. Yeah. 
It's amazing what can be done in God's house. It's amazing what God's people can do with each other and not tell the truth. Coming to God's house, not interested in spiritual things. Coming to God's house, he came to God's house to get bread. He came to get a sword. Many years ago, I I, I met a man in church and I said to him, well, I suppose you like the Free Presbyterian Church. Oh, yes, he says, I like the Free Presbyterian Church. But he says, that's not my main reason for being here. I said, what's your main reason? Well, he says, I sell oil. (laughs) And he says, this big church could give me lots of orders for oil. So many today, they're not interested in the spiritual things, but they're interested in that which is material and physical. Now, we need the material things. We need food to eat. We need clothes to wear. We need a bed to sleep in. But if we advertise and said we're doing a prosperity service, we're going to tell you how you can prosper in this world. We would have crowds. But all for spiritual prosperity. For spiritual food. For the, the spirit of the sword of the word of God. That's what we're needing. So if you're interested today in that which is spiritual. David asked for the bread. They gave him the, the shoe bread, the priest's shoe bread. And David's men were hungry and he was hungry. It's interesting to think that David, the great man of God, the man who had killed Goliath, the man who had, had them sing that he killed his tens of thousands, and the people have just ignored him right to the extent that he had nowhere to go and he was hungry. People's opinion can change so quickly, can't it? Here he is on the run and he asks there in verse 8, he says, And David said unto Ahimelech, And is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it's here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it. For there is none other see of that here. And David said, There is none like that, give it me. And so he gets a sword. He said he's unarmed because the king's business required haste. Now that is a a lovely text and many people have preached from it. But in the actual, there's a sense it's very true. There's a time when the king's business does require haste. And so many people are careless about the king's business. Careless about missionary work, careless about their home church work. Careless about doing a service for God, and they, well, they, they said, it's not my job, it's someone else's job. And so there's a carelessness. There is a time when the king's business requires wisdom, time when the king's business is not to be rushed. Sometimes the devil is in the hurry. Remember years ago down in a little church and uh, beside the church there was a little hallway, a hall and some water had got into the hall and they'd taken some of the stuff out of the hall and put it up in the church prayer room. And uh, a man came to me this day and he says, Reverend, 
that stuff that's in the prayer room, get it out before next Sunday. I laughed. I said, well, that's a bit of a problem. I said, if that's only a few days, how are we going to manage that? He says, you get that stuff out before next Sunday. Or I'll throw it down the steps next Sunday. I thought, that's a good day for doing that. <laughs> and he said, anybody that steps in my road, I'll throw them down the steps too. <laughs> Which I laughed and even made him cross. Very angry. Wasn't the king's business that was requiring haste. It was an old family quarrel that had been down the years over a piece of ground. It wasn't the king's business. Some old family quarrel taking place. David's talking here. And he's talking nice talk. But it's not true. I was reading this this morning and I was looking at it and I, I thought of Elijah calling Elisha. That's one of the passages I love in Scripture. And Elisha, Elisha was called by Elijah and, and he says, I must go home and say goodbye. And Elisha says, Elijah says, okay, go. And he went home. And the king's business, take the thought of it, it requires haste. Look, Elisha, don't waste time. But he went home. He took time to go home and say goodbye to his family. He took time to kill the oxen and have a barbecue. <laughs> They'd be a right lot at the barbecue if they killed two oxen and ate the meat. It wasn't something little and small. He was cutting his ties because he was stepping out into the king's business. Let's modernize it a little. God calls a young farmer boy to go and serve the Lord. And he goes home and he sells the John Deere and the five for a plough tractor and he sells it. Or else he, what do they do? They don't do that always. They say, put it in the shed and lock it up in case I come back. In case God's work isn't nice, <laughs> I'll come back home to farm. God's work does require haste, but it requires wisdom. David here's talking and he's talking the right words, but he's not walking by faith, he's walking by fear. He's in a hurry, but he's out of step with God. Yeah. He's running. You read of David running quite often, by the way. When he went to kill Goliath, it says he ran to kill Goliath. He, he was excited. He wanted to kill Goliath. But it's different here. He's in a hurry. He's telling lies. He's not walking by faith. He's walking by fear. He's the king's enemy. Oh, you say, well, yeah, take it a moment. King Saul was king. King Saul had a great army. King Saul was going to go after David and hound him over the mountains and the hills and the valleys of Israel. You said every right to be afraid. Yes, he had. But he had every right to turn his eyes upon the Lord even in a greater way. He panicked. Do we never panic? We do sometimes. Do we never fear? We do sometimes. Yeah. Oh, the difference between faith and fear. His eyes got onto his circumstances. We were just talking the other day and when the doctor looks you in the eye and he says, 
young girl, young man, you have cancer. That's circumstances. They look up to you and they say, look, I've bad news for you. You come home and some tragedies hit the family. Circumstances have changed. And my, when we look at the circumstances, they look like mountains. We've got to turn our eyes upon Christ our Saviour. But here as he is in the church, he's talking and he has lied. and He said he's in a haste, but he's in a haste because he's on the run and he's not in the king's business. And it's getting all complicated. And it gets more complicated because there's a man doing and he's listening in. It's amazing how many strange people come to church, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Down the years we've met many strange people. But it's amazing, Doig was in the church here, and it says he was an Edomite. He was an Edomite? Descendants of Esau. The descendants of Esau that hated Israel. But this man, Doig, was a friend of Saul. So what's it saying? Show me your company and I'll, show you, I'll tell you your character. That's what it means. Saul has gone down a road and he's brought in some of the worst enemies and ungodly people and he's become friends with the wrong people. Now, we can't understand it because it says there uh, in verse 7, Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. And his name was Doeg and Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. How he was detained before the Lord, I don't know. Was he there on pretense that he was a Jew? But it says he was an Edomite. Doeg was a bad man. Saul has come to a stage where he is employing evil men, bringing them into his company, promoting them. You'll see that this man was promoted. Now Doeg didn't run out and tell Saul, I've found it, David. He waited his opportunity. You can read the story and fill in the details later. He waited his opportunity until the time was ripe. Isn't that interesting? Don't we do that, don't we? We shouldn't, but sometimes we do. We hear a little story and we hold it. And we say, ha ha, that'll put her in her box some night. I'll put him down a peg or two some night when I tell him that one. And this is it here. And Doig holds it. And he keeps it till a time when, well, he, Saul's angry this day. And he tells him. And if you notice carefully, 21, chapter 21, 7, he's the chiefest of the herdmen. 22, verse 9, he says he sat over the servants of Saul. Here's a man who's wanting promotion. Here's a man who's wanting in with Saul. Here's a man that's evil. Saul finds out about Ahimelech the priest helping David in the next chapter. Saul said to his servants, right, kill Ahimelech. They wouldn't do it. Doeg says, I'll do it. Doeg says, I'll do it. Chapter 22 and verse 19. No, <coughs> pardon me, a nob. The city of the priests smote he with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and sucklings, oxen and asses and sheep, the edge of the sword. Doig says, I'll kill them. 
Doig went 85 priests he killed plus their wives plus their families he's an evil man who's to blame for all this we find here David yeah he says they're over in chapter 22 verse 22 chapter 22 verse 22 yep and David said unto Abiathar I knew it that day when Doig the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul have occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house a man has backslidden a man has got estranged from his God a man has gone into his we'll see in a moment his worldly wisdom and not spiritual wisdom we see David and he told a lie Jonathan tell him it's a, it's a lie he tells Ahimelech a lie he tells he's on a special errand he tells he's on the king's business he's one lie following another and it has its consequences. Doig has listened in and Doig sheds a tremendous blood. David's backsliding. David's carelessness. But it also goes back to Eli. In the time that Eli didn't chasten his sons. God said he would chasten Eli and his descendants. And the priests. But wait a minute. Is God left out of this? God saw it. In Psalm 52 and verse 5 it says, God shall likewise destroy thee forever. He shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living. That's, uh, that's doig he's talking about. Sin brings consequences. Even a lie brings consequences. In this case, one lie led to another lie, which led to another lie, which led to a dreadful slaughter. So you and I, my friend, we learn from this. A great man, David. A man who was able to write the 23rd Psalm. A man who knew what it was to go into the presence of God in extremely wonderful ways. A man who knew to go out and face Goliath without fear and run into battle and say, The Lord is with me. Yet with all a man who could fall. David here, he's on the run, as I said, he's in a hurry, he's a fugitive. And he leaves, and he leaves there in verse 10, it tells us. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul, and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Can you see the picture of a man in a hurry? Can you see a picture of a man in a run? Can you see a picture who's a man and... He's in great danger, yes? Great fear, and his faith has failed him. The day David fought Goliath, he ran to fight him. He runs away today. He runs to the enemy today. He's running there to the king. He's in haste, but it's in fear. It's not faith. How's that? Remember Peter? Peter was in the boat, and he got out of the boat, and he walked in the waves, and man, he did well. Then he took his eyes off the Lord and he looked at the circumstances and he began to sink. Come on, have you never done it yourself? You have, surely. Remember that depression, that stress, that worry? 
You didn't take the burden to the Lord. Yes, you took it to the Lord, but you brought it home again. Take it to the burden to the Lord and leave it there. Here's David and he goes to the Philistines. Why he goes there, I don't know. He goes to these Gath. He goes to Gath, the hometown of Goliath. He's got Goliath's sword. Now, if you know anything about swords, uh, every sword has a special maker. If you're going into quality swords, they have a special maker. If you're made in Japan, if it's made in China, if it's made wherever it's named. Uh, if, if I had a Japanese sword, a samurai, and take it into Japan, the men will know who made it, who's belonged to it, and all the details. And as David goes into Gath, surely the moment they see the sword, they'll say, hey, I know who that was. That's Goliath's sword. He goes among the heathens. He's taking his problem to the ungodly. Don't we do that? We do that, surely. Some time ago, I was talking to a man. I said, if you have a problem, what would you do? Oh, he says, I would take the child to the psychiatrist. Oh, how many times... God's children go to get counsel from the ungodly. How many times? How many times God's children would love to take their problems to the courtroom, to the judge, to the juries? That's worldly wisdom, friend. That's worldly wisdom. How many times God's children bring the worst of the ungodly into their homes we have to protect our homes we have to protect our children today we're living in the end times and perilous times will come and times are getting worse David comes to Achish and, and they tell Achish by the way this is David this is the man they sang the songs that he killed ten thousands and David is definitely in a corner. He's lied. He's got himself down. We call it a cul-de-sac. Got himself in a corner here. What's he going to do? We don't read of him here crying to God, but he, verse 13, David changed his behavior before them, and the word feigned himself mad. Their hands scrabbling the doors so forth he acts a lie he's told a lie he's got himself into a corner here and he's acting a lie My, we can speak a lie but we can act a lie he does it here there's some people and they live a lie oh my oh the old hypocrite lives a lie yeah you can come to church and sing the hymns just because of some little pressure or business or something and still not know Christ as your saviour. You read this here and some people say, boy, that was a wise move he did. You see, the, the heathens, the Philistines wouldn't hurt someone who was looked upon as mad. They wouldn't hurt them. They'd be kind to them. David has worldly wisdom, but it's not spiritual wisdom, friend. I don't know all the details, but I do know if Jonathan 
would have left Saul. I believe Jonathan should have left his father at the time and come with David. He didn't. He stayed there. He died. I believe Jonathan should have come with David. Jonathan would have come with David and might have made great changes. But David has got himself into a problem. And friend, we all get into problems sometimes. And if you read carefully the Psalms, you'll find it's God's mercy that gets him out. Psalm 34 is one of the Psalms. It's David's recovery. When he changed his behavior, it says, I sought the Lord, verse 4. This poor man cried, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Seek the Lord. Fear the Lord. And then he says in verse 13, Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. What a lesson. The little tongue, it's not very big, <laughs> but it could get us into a lot of trouble, can't it? It just slips about there, doesn't it? Very slippy little fellow. It slips about. And David's tongue has got him into a lot of trouble. And then in Psalm 54 it says for he hath delivered me out of all trouble lovely see child of God it's a wonderful thing to know the saviour it's a wonderful thing that to know that even when we do fall and do fail and we do <laughs> as a minister many years ago was in a house visiting the lady said to him, he says, you know, your reverence, I have come to the place where I never sin. He says, yes, that's lovely. And this is many years ago, and the lady brought out the best cup and saucer and plate and something nice for the minister to eat. And as she set it down, he took his hand and he knocked it onto the floor and broke it. And he found out that she did sin. <laughs> she was very angry. Let me tell you, friend, there's none of us perfect. We have a perfect saviour. What a saviour. Why the Lord should save any of us and stoop down to lift us and save us and wash us and cleanse us and say, I give unto my sheep eternal life and they shall never perish is wonderful. And why the Lord should allow us even in our awful times of failure when he puts his arms around us and he says you're mine and we have failed friend and Satan comes and he attacks us and he gets us when we're sick and lonely and broken and mentally and physically and spiritually and he gets us at our lowest point and then he hits us hard We get our eyes on our circumstances. We take them away from the Saviour. My, the circumstances get bigger and the illness gets bigger and the problem gets bigger. And the Saviour gets smaller. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace we were visiting some friends before we came home over here from home and they were saying about their mother 
And she's a very happy, happy lady. One morning she wasn't very happy. The lady, the carer in the home said to her, What's wrong with you this morning? You're not your normal self. She says, I know that, dear. But she says, would you just give me a few minutes to talk to the Lord? And there where she was sitting, she closed her eyes and she bowed her head and she talked to the Lord. And she says, Lord, I'm not too well today and I'm not very happy today. And would you help me? And she prayed a little time and she looked up at the car and she says, that's okay now. Let's go and enjoy today. Friend, be careful with telling a lie. Be careful with living a lie. Because there's others watching. There's others watching. There was a man in Scotland. And he loved to drink. It was a very snowy night and he was in the house. I think it was a Friday night and he says to the wife, I'll slip out and I'll have a few drinks and I'll be back again. You look after the children and I come back and watch wee Jimmy. <laughs> He's a wee mischief. The daddy walked out up the road to get his drink. He thought he heard somebody or something, so he looked back. There was wee Jimmy coming, putting his feet in his daddy's footsteps. Daddy was leading him the wrong way. The daddy stopped, he saw him coming, he realised what he was doing. He turned and he put his arms round me, Jimmy, and he says there'll be no more drink because Sunday morning you'll follow my footsteps to church. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy word to our hearts this morning. We thank thee, O God, we come to one who knows and understands our infirmities, our illnesses, our sorrows, our weaknesses. We realize we have an adversary. We have the devil going around as a roaring land, seeking whom he may devour. We pray, our Father, that thou wilt give us the energy, the strength, the empowering of the Holy Spirit to fight a good fight, to run a good race. And, O God, to put on the whole armor of God when the battle comes. Lord, how careless we are sometimes. How we leave ourselves open to the attack of the devil. Anoint us each one today with thy Holy Spirit. Make it a good day. O God, may we begin the day each day with thee in prayer. Seek thy face and walk with thee. Keep us from the worldly wisdom. Give us that spiritual wisdom. Keep us from sin, Lord. Keep us close to thyself. In Jesus' name. Amen.